This is Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. Thank you for joining us for Education Matters. I'm Katie Olmsted, part of the communications team for the Ohio Education Association. We represent 120,000 K-12 teachers, education support professionals, and higher ed faculty members in the state. Today, we're hearing from one member, a 7th and 8th grade math teacher in Columbus City Schools, who's on a mission to save lives. It's a mission born out of unspeakable tragedy. Melissa Thomas St. Clair's son was murdered in 2013, leaving her to cope with unimaginable trauma. A few years later, she was hit by a drunk driver, leaving her with a trach tube in her throat. Then, in 2020, one of her students killed a young child, reopening the wounds from her son's death and prompting her to say enough is enough. She founded Mothers of Murdered Columbus Children to support other families who have lost loved ones to homicides and to change the community around her to break the cycle of violence that has taken so many lives and broken so many mothers' hearts. We asked her to share her story and her passion for advocacy that has her piloting an innovative violence interruption program with the students at Champion Middle School where she teaches. Melissa, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. Let's start by talking about what your program is. You founded Mothers of Murdered Columbus Children and you have a co-founder, but what is that? Mothers of Murder Columbus Children, founded by myself and co-founded by Carla Harris, is an organization that provides support services to mothers in the city of Columbus and families who have lost their children and loved ones to the violence of the city. We were founded on August 12th, 2020. I myself have, am a mother of a murdered child, but on August 12th, 2020, a student Um, was involved in an accidental shooting of their two-year-old nephew. And that propelled me um, to do something. It was, I had already been using my own son's testimony. He was murdered April 29th, 2013. And I had been using his testimony every year with, (laughs) with my students. But this particular incident I knew with the uptick of violence that was happening in 2020 that I had to step out of the classroom and dive deeper into the full city. I cannot imagine the loss that you have been through. What can you tell me about your son? My son, I I, I glow when anybody asks. His name is, and I always speak of my son in the present tense because we mothers always believe that no matter what, (laughs) our children are alive in our spirits forever. Anthony Thomas St. Clair, he um, was 22 at the time of murder. He attended Columbus City Schools from elementary to his senior year, and then he transferred to a different school for personal reasons. And um, he was a star football player. He was a pianist. He um, was a big brother to a little brother that we had 12 years later. He was a nephew, a cousin, um, just a phenomenal young man. And I had my son very early. I had my son at 16 years old. 
So throughout those challenging times of having a teenage mother, I think there were some gaps that was involved in his spirit that never was filled, even when I became whole. And what I use, and I have to be very transparent when I talk about him, because it would be unfair to his legacy if I didn't take my own ownership. As a teen mother, I um, made decisions as a teenage mind, undeveloped to become a parent, <clears throat> excuse me, to become a parent that left residual trauma, emotional trauma in my son. And although I'm a teacher and accomplished educator now, and although, you know, I have accolades that I could talk about, it's important that I'm transparent about where I once was. And I once was a teen mother that was more involved in self than parenting. And around the time of my mid-20s, when I became more developed, more whole and ready um, to acknowledge parenting, the damage was done. His father and I got back together. We're married to this day, but we had separated. And through that separating time was his most um, formidable years of development. And um, there was some emotional trauma that he suffered. And when we got back together and we got married, we had another son and we were living as a whole family, that trauma never was fixed. We figured we fixed it by getting back together and we have a healthy environment now. And I missed the mark. And because of that, even though he graduated, he had his own accomplishments after graduation, that untapped trauma revealed itself and he made some poor decisions. And those poor decisions are on my responsibility. And those, he decided he was going to um, start selling drugs. And when he started to sell drugs, coming from the environment that he was in, he was never in an environment that was conducive to that. So it was un tap territory that he tried to insert himself and a 50 50 plus some year old man um that he went to collect the debt from chose not to pay the debt and instead rob him and stab him in his heart and that's how i lost my son when you think about in your mid-20s becoming whole and, and becoming who you are meeting your potential <laughs> Do you ever think about what potential Lee had and, and where he would be today? Absolutely. Um, that is something that within this organization has helped me to acknowledge full circle. It's always been kind of silent thoughts, but now I use it for mothers who are in my past shoes so that they don't continue in that environment so yes, I think about what type of father would he have been? What would my grandchildren look like? What um, career, he had such amazing talents. I wonder at, he would be 30 in 2021. What does his 30 year old self look like? What relationship would we have had? What mentorship? would he have given to his younger brother, who is now a college student? 
what relationship would his father have had? What community activist would he have become? Because he was so in tune to life of advocacy himself. So yeah, that that's a constant for me. And then you started Mothers of Murdered Columbus Children after a, another tragic incident in the community. What do you do through that organization? Well, I will say this. When that two-year-old was slain in the same community that I that I service students in, and that the, the, the student that accidentally um, took his nephew's life, when that happened, it res it reignited what I went through with my son because I when I, I was I'm still at the same building that I was in when my son was murdered and my son too was murdered in this community. So it propelled me to look deeper into the needs of the community and our youth. So we service mothers first and foremost. We also are community activists that do what we call community coverings. And that is our unit, our organization, supporters and mothers, we call ourselves sister soldiers. We go into these most vulnerable communities that are hardest hit by violence. And we use our own testimonies, holding up photos of our children, holding up signs of our mission and mantra. And we plea to the community that enough is enough. We chose to do it this way because we knew that if we hosted community events downtown or in affluent areas that are seemingly safe, we would not be hitting the appropriate demographic. And that's the potential offenders and or offenders. We knew that if we immersed ourselves unapologetically without fear into the communities with peace, positivity, prayer and protection, that we would hit who needs to hear the message that there is an opportunity to change your mindset and grow from the decision-making um, that you've, that they've once, or that they are doing currently. And there's time for change. When you see these potential offenders or the offenders, and, and you're hoping they see your son's face and your face, do you think it makes a difference to see a mom and not just the person who was slain, but their mom? I think the mother's the mothers are the best weapon against the epidemic that we're facing. I think that even deeper than that, a healed mother that has gone through this trauma, but is learning to live again. That is our theme for our support services to learn to live again. That voice is the loudest voice in a room. Even if the mother is silent, the energy and the aura that a mother portrays once she has lost a child to violence, even if that mother says nothing, is so impactful and so powerful. I think the empathy that an offender can feel from a mother's heart that has lost a child to violence is inevitably going to make a difference even if that offender doesn't acknowledge out loud Maybe that offender's thought process, maybe if that offender was getting ready to go um, do a hit that day or coming up, maybe that offender changed their mind because of that mother. 
We also service youth. We have a youth division from zero to 18. We have an adult division from 19 to 25. Um, and we also service them with support services. Violence prevention is a huge part of our organization. And most important, um, we set out and we were gonna be on an island on this, even if we were all alone, I should say. In 2020, when this began was the height of what was happening with George Floyd. Our city was as divided as we've ever seen when it came to law enforcement and the community. <clears throat> and our organization, the foundation that I founded this on was not only on my um, Christian faith, but also that <clears throat> I wanted to mend the community's relationships with law enforcement. I know firsthand as a mother who have lost a child to violence, how important the relationships with law enforcement is for justice. Without that community relationship, when the community chooses not to talk, we don't get justice. So one of the foundation principles of the organization was to mend and heal the community's relationship with law enforcement. And we've done tirelessly work in that field. And you were just awarded uh, Civilian of the Year by Central Ohio Crime Stoppers, right? I was. I was. Thank you for acknowledging that. It was a complete and utter surprise to me. Um, I never set out. <coughs> Please forgive me for coughing. I have a trait because I was hit by a drunk, drunk driver. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. So it didn't feel like I was trying to. But I never set out, <clears throat> nor did my co-founder, Carla Harris, we never set out to have acknowledgement or fandom or, um, you know, stardom out of this. We set out to have exposure and the media has done such a phenomenal job with seeing the authentic heart beat of the mission. And every time we get an opportunity such as this podcast, thank you, Katie, Every time we get an opportunity to express our mission, it's for the, the full development of what we want to see in the end. And that is a complete exponential decrease in the violence that's affecting our city and our youth. And you are piloting a program with the students in your school as part of that mission. It is. And... So what we've noticed with the data, so we're very data-driven with our decision-making in the organization. And we gather that data, not only from law enforcement, but other um, organizations that are data collectors. And we analyze that data on a daily basis. And what we're seeing now that some of the offenses that are happening that are not at the felony murder stage, but yet going towards that are our youth between ages 12 and 17. And those are crimes against property. For example, stolen cars are huge right now, leading up to felonious assaults with the automobiles, robbery, um, stolen purses of elderly, those um, gateway offenses that could lead to very serious um, injury or, 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 or homicide. We want to tackle 
that demographic. So we created what we call the See More, Want More program. And that program is geared toward males ages 12 to 15 in the seventh and eighth grade. And it is giving the disadvantaged child the advantage experience. And what we mean that by that is it's not necessarily that you're disadvantaged for socioeconomically, although that comes with some of the territory that we're dealing with, but more so <laughs> these students are in, envi in environments that are beyond their control and they're not living, but they're surviving. And they are trapped in a cycle. Usually who we are targeting are trapped in cycles of generational um, um, generational decision-making that is leading to either death or, or, or incarceration. We are hoping to expand their experience of living, giving them experiences like, we're gonna be taking a group of young men to the Van Gogh immersive experience. We're gonna be taking a group of people, young men to the Amish country. We have partnered with several different um, restauranteurs, which we hope that they're able to talk to the owner, the chef, the serving team, and see how exposing them to different career paths outside of what we always throw at them. Um, we have several Columbus City School graduates that are gonna be giving back in their own career. We have someone who's a accomplished baker who's been on Food Network that's gonna come in and teach them about their passion. So some of those young men who have not been able to see past their 24 hours, some of them don't even see past the hour that they're living. We want to expand that if you look deeper into the, your future and you're able to expand what is out there past your neighborhood, your decision-making and your mindset will change. If your son could see this program and could see what you have been able to create just in over a year, what do you think he would say? I know what he would say because I talk to my son quite often. And to those who may have not lost a child, that might sound strange, but we hear our children speak and he's really proud of me. He's forgiven me, which I always wanted. He is saying, thank you, mom, for not allowing my death to go in vain. And I think that he himself, you know, my faith, I know that my son is in a better place. I have actual testimony that lets me get that comfort. That comfort for my own faith allows me to have the strength to lead these other mothers. I know my son is with me every mission that I do, whether it's a lock ceremony, we've placed locks on Bridge Street Bridge, whether it's talking to the chief of police or um, faith leaders or these dignitaries that I would have never imagined sitting at the table with a year ago. It's his voice in my heart that's speaking. Melissa Thomas Sinclair, such a powerful teacher, such a powerful mother, such a powerful force in the community. Thank you.
Thank you, Katie. I appreciate this time. And if there are any mothers, educators, um, students, or anyone out there in the education world, we definitely are in a dire need for unity in this mission. You can visit us on Mothers of Murder Columbus Children.com, also on Facebook, Mothers of Murder Columbus Children, and see our mission, join forces, and let's change the trajectory of where we're going. If you'd like to support Mothers of Murdered Columbus Children or learn more about their work in the community, you can find the links to their website and Facebook page in the episode notes for this podcast. While you're there, subscribe to or follow Education Matters wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, stay well. <laughs>